Hey there, and welcome to ATL and 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm here with Tyler Jones. And Tyler, I guess the first question is uh, Cam Reddish and Evan Turner for Tristan Thompson. Who says no? No comment. Like, <laughs> ugh, that, I mean, come on, man. Like, I understand. I understand. We live in an age where, you know, you you have to write stuff down to get views and clicks, all that good stuff. But that's just unprofessional. Like, I'm sorry. It's just flat out. Yeah, I don't even blame the like, writer. I blame flat like, out, the like, editor. Editor, like somebody, like you know, somebody has to step in and be like, "This is a. Why would the Hawks do this?" <laughs> Huh? <laughs> and then, I mean, the Coupe de Grasse was, you know, so y'all can have a lob target in Tristan Thompson. I'm like, what? <laughs> what am I reading? <laughs> it was like, it's like a parody. I'm like, it's like, okay. And again, like I said, it's, and, you know, and, the, and the Hawks again, need the, somebody the, to play the, defense. The, like, yeah, that's going like, to get okay. better if Reddish leaves. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, the writer clearly hasn't watched the Hawks, but, you know, people have to, you know, they have to write something for every team. Right. And so it's just like, well, that's dumb. Uh, and I don't know. It's just all this is, all this is it's silly season. You know, I, apparently Collins is out the door. Uh, I, I find it amusing that people think the Hawks are going to be able to pay, like, they think that $20 million a season <laughs> is what John is asking for. I'm like, hey man, come on. Uh, he John Collins currently has an effective field goal percentage of sixty percent effective field goal, and what that means is that doesn't take into account free throws. So it's not. So it's basically just your shot, pure shot making ability, uh, plus with the additional bonus of you know three pointers being more than two, and he's at sixty percent. And he has a usage percentage of only 23, but he's averaging 19 points a game. So, you know, he's not the focal point of the team. That's clearly Trey Young, but he's an extremely efficient offensive basketball player. And then on defense, he's good. Like, he's not great. He's not elite. He, pro- he might not ever be elite, but he is good. Like, I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to have to read more that John Collins is defensive liability. The Hawks issues go beyond John on defense. And really, since he's came back, the Hawks' defense has been relatively fine. When he's played alongside Cam Reddish, who sadly has been hurt over the last couple of games. And, and you you noticed, it was very noticeable immediately, the second hit that Cam Reddish got hurt in the Mavericks game, that the Mavs just started. It was just, you know, easy, easy opportunities for, for their, you know, multitude of good offensive talent that they have on that team. Right. Uh, you know, the Hawks just didn't have a guy to throw on on any one of them to, you know, slow them down and stop them. And then we saw it again against the Celtics. You know, the Celtics employed three very good wing players. And really, you know, without Cam Reddish there and to, you know, defend at least one of them to shut them down uh, or, you know, at least to slow them down. Like, if somebody gets hot, you know, it's Jeff T guarding Jalen Brown. And Jeff T's just too small, and you know he didn't really compete <laughs> that game till the fourth quarter. So, it, you know, it it's been a it's been a messy season. But you know, John Collins, even with all that, through the twenty five games that he's played, you, you, you know, he's averaging nineteen, ten, and two blocks a game. Like he just, and he, you know, he's taking four threes a night, like, and he's making about roughly around thirty five percent, which you know for his position and really more important, not less for being a four man, but more for his ability to finish at the rim. That's right. that's pretty elite. There are not that there are not that many basketball players in the NBA who are both great finishers and quality shooters. Like they don't exist. John Collins gives you that package on the offensive end while providing quality defense as a four man and spot duty as a five when the matchup allows it. Um, so, like, this idea, one, that the Hawks are going to be able to, like, 
that you know they don't want to pay twenty million a season for John Collins. Like, if you're not willing to pay twenty million a season for John Collins, who are you willing to pay pay to play basketball for your team at all? That's my thing. Like, John Collins going to be wait. What was your number again? Plus. Well, you know, I've I read a couple times that they put the number at twenty. Um, they like the you know the reason why the Hawks are interested in uh, interested in maybe uh, moving on from John is they don't want to pay John Collins twenty million a season. But I'm like. You know, that you're making it sound like he's, you know, Montrez Harrell, right? Like, I can understand Actually, that. That was logic. the comp I was thinking of today. He is, you know what I'm like saying? Montrez Harrell. Except he can Except shoot. Except he can shoot, yeah. And he's bigger. Better shooter. And he's a better rebounder. He's a better rebounder. Like he's, yeah, he's a better defensive rebounder in particular, um, right. which is something, you know, the Clippers struggle with when Harrell's in the game at center. He's just smaller. Like, he's just. Whereas Collins, as you saw when he was up against Canner, it's almost it's stunning how he was able to box him out and grab the rebound at the same time. You know, it's a foreign concept for certain players on the Hawks, but I, I don't want to get too much into that one. Well, I mean, you mentioned John shooting uh, or having an effective field goal percentage of 60%. Damian Jones is at 69.2%. Well, yeah, when he, all he leads the when Hawks literally. and win shares per forty-eight minutes. Mm. Yep, yeah, and well, I mean, when all you do is dunk, I I would hope it's that high. Uh, so good for him, but you know, it's <laughs> okay. That's fair. Yeah, very very tasteful. I appreciate that. Uh, Cam Reddish. Like I'm, I'm like five percent worried just because of how he got hurt. Hold not, on, not Kevin, not that he got a concussion. Oh, sorry, God, Kevin. Before before we go on go on with that, what, what do you make of these John Collins, you know, rumors and you know speculation? Because I I don't know as a fan as a fan of the Hawks, I'm annoyed by it. Like to me, it just feels like it feels like the Hawks are trying to pressure John into into uh, taking a lower number that they would be more comfortable with instead of paying him market value. I, you know, I, I just, I'm annoyed with, I'm, I'm personally annoyed with how this is all played out because I mean, I mean, it's a new side, right? I mean, we've, we've had Travis here for two and a half seasons mm-hmm. and you know, his job up until now has been just get assets, get talent, get young players draft, right? And now we're in a new phase where it's now it's time to negotiate with players. And it's really a blank slate. I mean, I honestly don't even know what to expect. I do think that part of it is just noise coming from other teams. I do. I mean, I think everybody realizes that he's eligible for an extension. And, you know, I... I, everybody feels like they got to kick the tires at that point, and then anybody that kicks the tires and gets some feedback and wants to swap feedback with somebody to you know find out information about another team, that kind of gets out there that you know there's a name, and once his name's out there, it comes out, but you don't know who it comes from. I do feel like it may be coming from other teams, uh, as opposed to the Hawks. I know Travis was in the building last night. Uh, I think he wanted to get it out that it's not coming from him or that he like, you know, I think he wanted to, I don't know, either walk it back or just state his side of it. Uh, but he's definitely there and concerned about it. I don't think he wants John Collins's name out there. Um, I'm sure he'd like to talk about it in the off season. I, mean, I still think that the most likely outcome for all of this is that, you know, nothing happens at the trade deadline involving Collins. I really don't think, you know, he's, if there's a Capella trade, it's not going to involve John Collins. Is it? No, absolutely no, not. Because the, the Rockets the are only, just trying to get off a contract. Yeah, and and that's and that's where like the only if that's the only rocket straight that 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 I would see the Hawks make for Capella is if only asset they give up is literally the Nets pick. Yeah, uh, and that, that's that, it. That, like that not seems... even not even Lennon Parker. Like because I feel like that would be too much. Because you could get something for Alex Lynn uh, if you want if you wanted to trade him. Like I. Like they're not, I guess. they're not He's doing expiring. the Rockets a favor. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you probably get like a 
a worthless second round pick. Not worthless, but you know, one of those fake seconds. I don't seconds think you're going to get much for Len if he's expiring and he's hurt simultaneously. Well, yeah, this was of course before before right. the everything. But I died I just think the time, the ultimate but... scenario here is that he does nothing happens involving Collins at the deadline. They go into the summer, they talk. Collins has one number in mind, Schlenk has another number in mind. Um and you know, there's just there's nothing there to force them to come to a deal this summer. I mean, I just don't think it's going to happen. And then he's in restricted free agency. And at that point, you know, he'll probably get a number that he likes and the Hawks will probably have to match at that point. I just, I don't know. I just don't think anything happens for a while. I think it's teams end up in restricted free agency all the time. And I think he's a good candidate for that. Yeah. And I guess that's what's most bizarre is this, idea that the Hawks are have to trade him if they don't sign the rookie extension when you know they can just go they can just accept the number that he gets in free you know in, exactly in, as an RFA uh, and they're the because ones he's that are good like space. he's like there's he's good and if he's good he's going to continue to be good and probably be even better as he goes on like any number that he signs for you can still get good value on the trade market so like because here's the thing, John Collins doesn't make much money. Like you really can't trade him for like salary. Yeah. And so like you it's you know, it's very it's sim, it's a similar situation like if, if the Hawks were trying to move on from John Collins, which they are and they've made pretty clear um right. publicly that the Hawks are not shopping Collins. They are listening to calls trying to see what his market value is. Uh but if they were to do that because he makes so little like it's hard to match salaries with a quality basketball player that would be a plus replacement plus assets. Like, you know, I, I don't even think this is the peak of John Collins' value. That that my largest point. Even if he sure. signs for a high number in uh in a, a rookie extension uh, this offseason or he does it next off, you know, during restricted free agency, even if he signs then, I think that's when his value will be at its highest when he signs the second contract. And he's able to be traded on on a number that teams can see, um, because again, like I said, he's a good basketball player. Like he's actually he's you bring all, up a good point a, though. Like maybe that is one thing that kind of makes it pressing at this deadline because they do have contracts that they can use as filler now. They're not going to have those contracts next year. I mean, I I guess they're going to use some of that cap space and presumably they'll have more bigger contracts uh, in the books, but. You know, I, I do think they have just kind of the filler contracts now that maybe they won't have those filler contracts, you know, a year from now, 12 months from now, when they're at the next trade deadline. That is kind of interesting. Yeah, but again, it's like you're still not going to get – like John Collins hasn't plateaued as a player. He can still no. get better, yep. right? And again, like I, we've, I've illustrated the numbers, 19, 10, and 2 – you know, being a decent shooter and a great shooter from the corner, like he, like John could probably average 23 and 10, you know, no problem. If, you know, if, if the Hawks needed him to do that, like he can get points, you know, he can score efficiently. Yeah. Uh, and up his usage rate without, you usage. know, ha- yep. yeah, yeah. On a different team that might need more scoring punch. And like, like that team may, may see, him in a different light than the Hawks and might pay more than the Hawks would like. But at the same time, that means that he'll be, you know, he'll still be tradable when he's on that high number. Like if he's mm-hmm. making 25 plus million seasons. And again, like I say, it's, it's his, his range is probably around the, whatever the max is in 25 million at the low end, just because of how good he is already right now in his age 22 season. Yeah. And that's just, that's just the reality of the NBA. You're not going to be able to get, good young basketball players on on good deals anymore the days of Al Horford signing six years for 12 million a season like those days are over like you're not going to be able to get Al Horford on Al Horford types of talent on that level of a bargain contract um even though that was a different salary cap era at the same time that was that was a deal um you know that was a deal even back then uh Al Horford signed a below market value contract you 
you know, agents are better at are scouring the market and teams are just always in the hunt for good young basketball players. And, you know, John, like, and I keep saying it again, like John is just simply too good to, to me being like, Oh, you can't pay that man, you know, 25 plus million. Like what? Well, who can you pay? Tobias Harris makes twenty six million a season. John Collins is better than Tobias Harris. Right. That's that's the that's that's the reality of the basketball player that John Collins is. He's a he's a perennial all star talent. Like you're going to have to pay him. Like he's I'm not, not sure he's compelling. perennial all star talent, but he he really does do a lot of things. Like he was a bad defender last year, and that's that's done. Like he's he's been just different this year. And he's better. And it is true that he is better as a defender at the four than at the five. Like, that is true. Um, but just because the lineups with him at the five that have had Reddish, Herder, Hunter, and Trey Young, those, you know, that's been a really good lineup for the Hawks. Small sample size, of course, but yeah, they, Small they've been sample size, they, but... They've been good. Um, I think it's their most used five-man lineup, though, so... It's a small no. sample size. Well, I mean, it's it. Yeah, it probably is, but it's you know, it's, it's still small a small sample. sample. Yeah, yeah, it it's, still is, it's but... not. It hasn't been that many. Game, no. You know, it hasn't just been that many minutes of them playing together. Right. But it's a it's a positive sign that you know the five the, the guys who you consider part of the core have all played well playing alongside each other. And I and I do think uh, it's prob it's probably the Hawks' most talented lineup. That's probably oh, yeah. why it's the best currently. Um, ex- but you know, it, it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how how you know how this team evolves once they get healthy again, and how how those five play with each other. And if they add, they're probably going to add some guys um, during this deadline. It'll it'll be interesting to see how how that that mix changes the um, the flow of this team. So wait, what do you think is going to happen at the deadline? There's so much Capella smoke that I, I would imagine Capella ultimately ends up in Atlanta, uh, just because the Rockets have to be done with Capella at this point. Like they, they basically said we're done with Capella. Like just by the amount of the amount that he's in the rumor mill, and you know if the Hawks are willing to give up that next pick for Capella, that's probably the best asset the Rockets could get along with shedding salary. Um, so I would, I would wager that Capella ultimately ends up a Hawk. And I can also see some smaller moves the Hawks make where they just, they take flyers on guys. If, uh, you know, them, uh, the beat, the B guys over at Denver floated, Wancho Hernan Gomez at the Hawks inquired about him. You know, that's, that's, that's a name. A young player like that who's not playing, but has shown talent in the past that maybe, you know, the Hawks could take a flyer out because they, you know, that's the thing about this Hawks team. Like, outside of the guys Travis Slank has drafted, it's a, you know, and Lynn and Parker who have both been hurt. Like, it's, it's a bunch of guys um, who probably aren't going to be on the team next season. Maybe Goodwin. I, I would suspect Goodwin probably will be. But, it, it, you know, it's, it's just a bunch of guys who, you, you know, there's still there's plenty of minutes to go around for talent as as we've currently you know seen with all these injuries going on that you know the Hawks just need more bodies and they need young talented bodies and just see if they can be you know quality players in this league so I I, I would wager the Hawks you know round out their depth because that's that's what's been lacking on the team at the moment especially with all the injuries I was trying to do a mental exercise the other day of just looking at the Hawks roster or rosters for the whole season they've had 17 i'm sorry i take that back with the two-way players you can have up to 17 players but uh the hawks have had 20 people suit up for them this season and i was like how many of those 20 players are going to be around at like the start of the 2021 22 season like a year and a half from now let's say how many will still be in the nba and it was it was pretty dire how many names you look at and you think well i uh, you know, I just, they might be in the NBA. I certainly don't feel confident on a lot of those names. It was, it was an uncomfortably short list. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, this, pretty, the, the biggest thing that John Collins being suspended showed is that this team just wasn't, 
made to compete for an 82 game season because they they couldn't sustain an injury, a bad injury, like bad injury luck. Like John Collins went out and all of a sudden, you know, they simply didn't have enough good basketball players, like just overnight. Like the second right. that happened, you know, you know, Lloyd was out playing guys too many minutes who shouldn't have been playing just because, you know, he was trying to find something that could even reasonably work. And now that Collins is back, they look like an atypical NBA team. Whereas before, like it, they were easily the worst team in the NBA. Now they're just one of the, you know, many dregs in the Eastern right. Conference. If John Collins was healthy, they'd probably wear. If John Collins didn't get suspended, they'd probably wear be wear the, maybe a bit better than what the Bulls are now. Uh, right. You know, but it'd be like. Yeah, it was a tough schedule. At then. that point. Yeah, but then at that point, it's like, do you really want the eighth seed? No, or, you know, <laughs> the seventh. You yeah. know, yeah. This, I don't know. This Hawks team is interesting because I do think when they're healthy and they're playing well, you see the talent. Uh, well, what was the game? I'm trying to uh, against. Was it the Wizards? Where they completely annihilated? I don't know. They they've had a they they've had some good games against. I know one was definitely against the Wizards. I know they had that another one where, one, yeah. where you know they had all their guys healthy, um, or all the core five guys were healthy before. Really, before Hunt and Reddish got hurt, uh, they were playing some pretty good basketball, um, and you know they they had one of the better games of the season. And you know they didn't do anything special. It's not like they made a bunch of threes. They just right. Played smart basketball. Cam, uh, you know, Cam Reddish. I can't believe I'm blanking on the game, but Cam Reddish had like a hell. It was against the Sixers. One of the best games of the season was against this Philadelphia 76ers, where Cam just multiple times would just make the right play. You know, he had a very mature game. You know, Trey Young had that insane first quarter, but then he Trey just kind of played a. He was just really good and really solid throughout the game. Every it felt like everybody played their role how how they should, uh, you know, and all the piece fitting and working really well. Hunter was making his threes, you know. Collins had twenty rebounds. Uh, you know, Trey Young almost had a forty and twenty night too. So it it was just it was just fun to watch those guys, you know, play up to their talent level because as a talent, like they're they're fairly talented. Those guys are. You see why. You know, when, when Hunter and Reddish are playing well, you see why they're a lot of retalent. Uh, it's, it's just been, you know, the consistency that's been, you know, frustrating from those two in particular and a little bit from Herder as well. Um, that's why it's it's kind of frustrating that, you know, both, you know, every, everybody got hurt because even Bruno Fernando was playing good basketball before he got hurt. And it's, you know, it just sucks. It just sucks that, you know, you're watching a team not have all, 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 you know, the cards on the table to be, you know, and, and having to watch a diluted product every night because, you know, everybody's hurt. That it's, it's frustrating. They have nine names on the injury list for tomorrow. You only have, and you only have 15 on, on an NBA roster and 17 right. with the two ways. So it's right. what that's more than half the team. Like that's more, more than, than half. half the yeah. team. Uh, for what it's worth, DeAndre Hunter, he missed the practice today for personal reasons. He's still on the injury report and listed as questionable with an ankle sprain, but uh, I, I think he's, I don't know, he's just questionable, which is kind of very much up in the air. It doesn't sound like Alex Len is going to be, I don't know, every time his name comes up, Pierce Pierce kind of grimaces like, yeah, maybe, maybe might be a while. I don't know. Nothing official there, but just my gut. And Man. maybe Bruno. I mean, I think Bruno did some stuff today at practice, which I think is a good sign. He's still questionable with a left calf sprain, but I think of the the guys who might be out. I think maybe Bruno's the who, the closest one to coming back, and that would be that would be a nice addition given the players that are healthy at the moment. They they could use some help up front. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but Cam and, Reddish, you know, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it just really sucks for Alex Land contract year, and you know he was having probably the best season of his career. Um, 
and you know, it's, it sounds like his body just gave out on him. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully he can get back. Uh, you know, towards the end of you know after the All Star break, hopefully he can come back and be as good as he was before then. But yeah. they've missed him. They've missed him on defense. Like he he was he was a just. He was just really good on defense all year, and the Hawks, for better and for worse, were never able to, you know, put out those Alex Lynn, John Collins lineups, which were pretty good defensively to start the season. Like they, they were never able to have those two guys on the floor at the same time um, consistently uh, for the season. That's kind of, that's kind of stung for. A Again, for potentially what might have been a playoff team if John didn't get suspended, but seeing how how much how many injuries have happened to this team, that that, that probably wasn't likely, um, you know, because again, they just for eighty-two game schedule, man, you need all fifteen guys to be quality rotation players, or at least somebody you you are comfortable with putting up, putting out there on the floor, and that's just not the case with this team, um, and that's fairly evident. Yeah. Uh, Cam Reddish, Lloyd Pierce said he did two workouts today. So they had practice. I guess the practice was probably at 11. But before practice at 11, they said he did some full court running, jogging. Both both of those verbs were used. So I don't know how intense it was. But he was out there running. And then they said he did an individualized half court workout during the practice. So... I think it's a good sign that he's probably taking some steps forward in that concussion protocol. When we got in, he was still shooting. He, you know, looked fine shooting and seemed to be in pretty good spirits. Uh, Like you mentioned before we started recording, it's probably a good sign that he was at the game, that the sights and sounds, because it is, you know, quite a bit of sound and quite a bit of, visual flashing light to deal with it's probably a good sign that he was at the game last night but uh i don't know i'm a little bit sad just in the nature of how he got hurt because if there's one thing that i've enjoyed this entire season it's you know watching cam move his feet on defense and stay with a stay with an opponent as they went somewhere with the ball and that was the kind of play he got hit on and i just i don't want him to shy away from that because he's just so wonderfully good at it. I mean, it should have been a flavor foul on the offensive player. Uh, it's so hard. He, it was, he, it he, was he, like a natural he, shooting motion, but he went right through his face. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it wasn't a foul on Red. I'm, here, here's my joke: is that you know Cam was kicked out of the game for you know committing that type of foul. You know, a similar situation in the Suns game. Yeah, it you know it sucked. Reddish was playing really well. Um, his defense, I think his defense took a leap um, sometime in December. And he's really confident now that he, he truly believes that nobody can get by him and he can challenge any shot. Uh, he's just, I mean, he's just an incredible defender. Like he's, it's super impressive what he's doing on defense. And then, you know, on offense, he's, he, it just like now when Cam Reddish shoots, it feels like he knows the shot is going in. Whereas right. before he was hoping it was. Um, so he's just playing. He was before the injury. He was just playing with a level of confidence that as a shooter. Uh, sure. It kind of trans it. And, you know, that plus his defense plus his, you know, it's and then he flashes, you know, all aspects of his game. Like, again, Cameron is a super talented basketball player. Um, I think Travis Slank on some. I think Travis Slank recently said that Reddish is the most talented basketball player on the team and i'd believe it uh yeah maybe if you take everything into account yeah just defense all the tools included that he has in his game um uh, and he he's got a great first step like he's just i mean he just has a lot of tools i people get hung up on his lack of vertical burst um right. but like to me like to me he but he's so quick you know, as a defender and with his first step and he glides like he just he's just kind of a complete pack. Like he's a as a baseball term, he's kind of a five tool player. Right. Uh, where he doesn't really have any holes in his game. Um just and I, mean, I think but I mean the, the overall hole. hole 
I mean, the the massive hole in his game is that, you know, he's not good. But I'm, I'm talking about his tools. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's not good on offense. Uh, he, you know, he he can't finish through contact, and he struggles around the rim. And, you know, he, he's only now starting to – he's creeping towards being an, uh, an okay three-point shooter, but it was really bad to start the season. But uh, but you, you, you see the flashes with his game, and that's – that's what I care about more for a 20 year old, uh, especially as a wing. It's, it's hard to be good as a wing player. As Herder, as Herder is coming to learn, like it's tough, you know, even with all the Herder's tools as an offensive player, it's tough to be consistently good on offense as a wing basketball player. Like it's just, you know, you, you're, you're going up against huge guys, you know, bigger guys around the rim. And if you're not, you know, a super explosive athlete, you got to do it with craft. And, and to me, what gives me hope with Reddish is that he has craft. Now he just has to be smarter with how he applies it in order to, you know, really, really open up his game. But, like, to me, the tools for Reddish to be a truly great basketball player in this league are all there. And that's, that's, what, yeah. that's what has me hopeful for him in the future. And, you know, that's, you know that, that, that offensive potential combined with what he's doing right now on defense, which – you know, the Hawks haven't had somebody this good as a defender on the perimeter since Tabo Sevalosha. And, <laughs> like, he, I mean, he's really good at all, not yeah. just on the ball, but off the ball as well. He's yep. such a great help defender. But, like, they, the Hawks have really missed that since he's been gone. Like, he's like he's just he, – he plugs a lot of holes for this. He, he In January, he was plugging a lot of holes that the Hawks had in the roster with his versatility. And hopefully – you know, hopefully he he's able to come back. You know, whenever he, you know, whenever he's uh, out of the concussion protocol. Uh, but but like 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 uh, like you said and what I said before. You know, we recorded that. It's a good sign that you know, he, even though he suffered concussion, that he was able to attend a you know an NBA game. Um, so, like, it, it's not it's not. You know, it's a concussion, but he should be able to recover. Uh, fairly soon, and hopefully he, he still brings that level of intensity on defense, because that's, I mean, that's been, it's been a revelation. Like it, you know, the wins, the record is what the record is, but I mean, Cam Reddish being this good of a defender, uh, that's not something anybody saw. Um, I didn't see it. And I thought he could be a good defender. I didn't know he could be a great one. Like this is, the type of defense he's playing is. You know, first you know, first team, second team, consistent all the all you know all defensive team. Like that's that's the low defender he's been, and that's and that's a plus. Like that's not something you usually can get. You know, with the tenth pick of the draft, like you, you you hope for a good starter, but if you get that level of defense plus his offensive talent, which you know he flashes at times, like that's that's a really great player in this league. Yeah, and it's not like the Hawks are some defensive juggernaut. I mean, in some ways they've made it harder for him to be a good defender just by how many bad defenders that he's played with. Mm-hmm. Um, and for him to be that good, oftentimes by himself. Well, to be, to be to fair, is... I, I will say uh, in defense of some players, Kevin Herter has been solid on defense. Uh, right. Particularly as He was very good re- rebounding last night. Well, and he's been very good at defensive rebounding all season. That's something that Zach Lowe yeah. had illustrated in his, you know, 11, 10 things that I like. But even like. not the uh, rebounds themselves, just like the box outs and stuff. Like he was getting yeah. some big bodies and just moving them out of the way last night. And they were players that were much bigger than him. And it's like, okay, that's, and that's he, something he, that's a step forward, I think, for him. And, and like I said, as a, as a rebound, he's done that all season. He's been a lot more physical overall as a defender. I've I've been – like to me, Herder's defense has been, you know, solid. Uh, right. To to where you could see him becoming a good defender, or at least to to the level of defender at his position that what John Collins is now, you know, at when he's playing the five, which is you know solid to good, but who could, you know, get overpowered by bigger guys. But that's you know that that's the NBA that happens to everybody. Right. Um, I I just want to defend Reddish because. You know the truly awful defenders are, are uh, the point guard and the center on on the team at the moment, and you know there's there's nothing the Hawks can do about one of those guys. Like just gotta, you know, live live with that that faulty 
with that faulty faucet. At but Reddish helps position, a lot with that because if, exactly. there is a, if there's an option to move Trey off the ball that they can live with, they can because Reddish can go on the ball. Exactly. And, you know, you can hide. You, Reddish is the type of defender where now it's viable to hide Trey Young on, you know, that was a big, that was a big, uh, you know, a big reason why the Hawks were able to beat the Sixers was that they were just able to hide Trey Young on whatever garbage perimeter offensive player the Sixers were playing at one time. Yeah, um, a lot of you know, yeah, you save 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 his energy on that end of the floor and able to bring it, you know, all night, you know, on offense. Um, you know, it's it's just a it's just a tough situation. Uh, you know, hopefully next next offseason, next draft what they do at the deadline, they're able to upgrade the talent so that, you know, Trey's not doing everything. John Collins isn't asked to plug so many holes. Reddish isn't asked to plug so many holes. Like, you just have more talented basketball players on this team. I feel like the young guys will play a lot better um, as a whole. Fair enough. Uh have we gotten everywhere that you wanted to go? I forget. We had a roadmap, and sometimes we do better at other times at staying with it. <laughs> I uh, meant to yeah. say that I'm 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 uh, pleasantly. I guess well before we leave Reddish, I'm pleasantly pleased because I still think that you know the big hole for him is finishing at the rim. And you mentioned you know he doesn't have the great vertical burst, and I mean that's fine. He's 20 and he's coming off an ab injury. That might not come right away, but just like the decision-making, he was just, you know, driving into block after block after block in November. And you can see the baby steps. I was never really that worried about the jumper because it looked fine. He just had sloppy footwork. But, like, the driving was a real problem, and now you can see him finding some solutions. He's trying he's, to throw a floater up every now it. and then. He finds guys it. in the corner if they're open. Go ahead. And he's also picking his spots a lot better. Where yes. if he has a physical size advantage, he's taking that person to the rim and finishing over them. Um, whereas before, Cambridge was kind of playing as if he was LeBron James and he could just finish over anybody. Right. Uh, and you know that's you know you're not LeBron, but you know that doesn't mean you can't be a good finisher in this league. A lot of a lot of what makes uh, perimeter players good finishers is their decision making. You know, if he makes smarter decisions in those split second moments in those tight windows, right. you know, you'll be, you'll become a better defender without, you know, improving athletically. You just do it by being smarter. Um, that's something even Herder needs to, you know, get better at. Um, um, you know, that that that's a skill that takes time for perimeter players. You know, Trey Young is great at it because Trey Young is just such a I mean, he's such a physical offensive basketball player. Um, right. He he excels in physicality, uh, and so and he's very good at playing the angles, and he's very good at leveraging his his handle uh, to do to get the defender to where he wants them to be, so that he can finish, you know, over bigger guys. And it also helps that he has tremendous touch. Like, you know, Trey is an immaculate offensive player. Um, his last game aside, where he frustrated me to no end. Uh, I mean, I think I was slightly concerned just because there was one play, maybe it was early third quarter. He like lost his dribble and he went to chase it and you could just see him start hopping on his left foot with his right foot up in the air. Yeah. And that was, that was literally like the turning point because he was immaculate in the first half. Like he was just killing Boston in the first half. And then from there on out, it felt like, you know, the jumper went away probably because he wasn't feeling great. And then he was forced to drive and he wasn't feeling great. And it was a lot of jump into a pass. And then the passes were a disaster because sometimes if you get in the air and the defense does the right thing and you don't, you're not playing with enough shooters because the Hawks had eight players, uh, then there were, you know, there was no spacing. So that they were able to eat up those passes. All right. That's might be like, I, I, Trey's definitely Uh-oh. playing hampered. But uh, he was bad, and like I don't want to. Oh, he was bad. He was bad. His decision making was bad because there were the Celtics weren't doing anything special on defense. They just switched every pick and roll. There were multiple possessions where John Collins had somebody who had no chance against him, 
<laughs> sealed on the block, waiting for the pass that Trey Young decided to take the 35 footer. And it's like, you know, you just have to be smarter. Like you're That's true. a tremendous passer. If you're hampered, rely on your teammates more. Um, and like John Collins only getting 12 field goal attempts against a Celtics team that has no rim protection is embarrassing. And that's a team-wide failure. Um, I appreciate Herter getting up 21 shots. Uh, that's good for him. But at the same, you know, like, so I'm fine with that. But Trey, when, when like, You're okay. You're right. I, I was talking just, more about the like, passes than the jump shots. He yeah, but it's like, okay, Grant, Grant Williams just locked you up. How about you not try to take him off the dribble again to prove that you're better than him? Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. Trey sometimes let guys get in his head too easily. I, I wish he was. I, I wish you know he he wouldn't let he wouldn't let trash talk influence his game as much as to me from the outside looking in. It appears that it does because uh, it's just too easy to it's too easy to get him into. Okay, I'm going to prove I'm one of the best basketball players in the NBA. You don't have to prove that anymore. You are. You got voted in the All-Star game. Players voted you third you know, in the Eastern Conference. Fans voted you first. And the media voted you second. Like, you, you're validated as one of the best basketball players in the world now. You don't have to prove it every You don't have to feel like you have to prove it every night. Um, and if you're hampered, you know, you're such a gifted passer. Lean on, lean on, lean on your passing. Like, you know, uh, and, you know, you know, move off the ball more and take more, you know, open catch and shoot threes. Let let Herder and Collins pick up the slack if you're feeling if you know, if you don't feel up to your best. Like you don't have to prove like that that Celtics game felt like especially in this like it felt like he was trying to recapture the magic he had in the first half. And right. I, I don't know. I, I, I wish I wish he played a smarter game because the win was there for him. Um uh, if if as a team, it wasn't just Trey. Jeff T was also making terrible decisions with the ball in his hands all night. And Brandon Goodwin needs to be better in the pick and roll at getting the ball to Collins um, as well. Like they, you know, all three of them, I, I didn't think played particularly well as ball handlers, as playmakers, uh, because you know when you have such a Again, like we said at the very beginning of the podcast, John Collins is one of the best offensive big men in the NBA, you know, and you, you just have to get the ball in his vicinity and he'll finish the play for you. Like just, you know, if you create the mismatch, you trust on trust in your trust in your big man to finish, right? You know, he's one of the guys you can trust on this team to finish when you, when you create for him. And so I, I you know, that game, and Trey's, Trey's really good at that. Like Trey's good at playmaking for them. but I did feel against the Celtics he was kind of he was he he was playing a different game and I I, I personally didn't care for it I hope and I, yeah, and I, I want, you know I, and I hope I hope, hope they all watch the film they grow up you know watching the film and be like okay like what you know we got to be smarter here guys like Grant Williams is 6'5 there's he has no chance against John Collins like just just get him the ball so that he can do something with it you know this like it, it I, I I was personally just frustrated because it, it was that's fair. It was just too many times where Collins, you know, Collins has a physical mismatch and this team doesn't get him the ball. It's like, guys, he's going to finish. You know, he's going to. That's an automatic two points right there. Why don't Why don't we take that instead of trying to hunt something else that might not show up? But uh, that's just that's just one game, and Trey's typically good at that. But you know, last night was just frustrating. Yeah, especially once Tice went out, it was it seemed like there were opportunities wasted. Yeah. All right. Do we miss anything? No, I, unless you had anything else, um, I'm no, I'm know. good. There was some rumor. I don't know. I don't want to validate bad trade rumors. Marcus All, they were linking to Atlanta, which didn't really make any sense to me, unless. It's funny. Toronto, to just Toronto was just like we had I, it with him, and he's just a negative. We just want him out, and the Hawks. I'd love for I'd, I'd I'd much rather have Marcus All next season than Clint Capella um, on this team. Oh, well, we didn't really I, talk about like Capella. Um, what do you think of Capella? Uh, he's fine. Uh, 
the price to get him would be fine. He's a good basketball player, and you know that's just something the Hawks need more of. And if you have Capella, that means you can play 48 minutes with either he or Collins on the floor at at one time, which right. immediately makes your team a lot better. Like just immediately, the team just gets a lot better if you're able to do that. Um, and the fit concerns, I don't know. The, I don't see them. Collins is such a great shooter from the corner that, you know, if anything, he's going to get more three-point attempts from the corners. And he's very, like, he's, he's for three years now, he's been really good at, at making three-pointers out from the corner. He's been, like, borderline automatic this season. And I think if he's able to get more attempts from the corner because Capella's rolling when they're playing together, that's a boon for the offense. Like, because I, I don't know if people realize this or not. Collins one of the, is the third, currently the third best shooter on the team. Um, you know, it's Trey Young, Kevin Herter, and John Collins who are able to consistently make three pointers. Uh, the rest of the team has been hit or miss, with Hunter being the fourth best, and he's he went through a major slump in January. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that would work. And then defensively, like Capella's just bigger, and right. you know, he just. He makes life easier for John. John doesn't have to battle against those the big centers, and you don't have to worry about foul trouble as much anymore with right. John. And you know, John's able to play the four and be more of a havoc wrecker as a help defender, which he was doing really well playing alongside Alex Lynn and Bruno Fernando when, when Bruno Fernando um, was healthy uh, and he came back. Uh, you know, you saw when when John is able to play with somebody who's you know a quality defender. He can he, he can really show his talents as a help defender on that end. So Capella would help, but I don't know. I I'd much rather Marcus All uh, even at his advanced age, just because you know Marcus All can shoot. Well, I think he's an expiring, right? Yeah, yeah. So like I I don't I wouldn't give up anything for Marcus All at all. I'd right. just sign him in the off season. This this is not so. Wait, me, so like, why do you like Gasol? Tell me about Gasol. Uh, because Gasol is just good at. I mean, he's a great basketball player still. Like, he's a great passer, great screener. Capella's a great screener, too. But, you know, Gasol's bigger. Um, you know, he's a great defender. And he's just a, you know, he's a quality vet. Like, he knows he knows how, where to be on the floor at all times on both ends. He knows what to make the right play on both ends. Like, he'd just be a, he'd be a veteran leader for this team that they haven't had, you know, really ever. And again, he's just really good. Like, yeah, you know, he's a he's a good shooter. Where now, you know, Collins can do what he does best on offense, which is roll to the rim, and you have Gasol spotting up from the three point line. And also, he's a great playmaker as well. And you right. get more opportunity. You get more opportunities with Gasol playmaking um, from the high post or from uh, the three point line, and you know, getting quality looks for Herder and. Uh, Herder and Young uh, that way. So I'd love for Gasol. Now, no trade. I, I wouldn't give up anything for him this season because, you know, right. you know why? You just sign him. To me, I would just sign Gasol in the offseason. Uh, right. That, that's a free – That like, to me, that's a free agent target. I would – that's a guy I would target rather than give up a first-round pick for Capella. Um, but who knows? Yeah. He really would be a pretty good fit then, wouldn't he? You could see him up there in the high double screens. Yeah, that would that would be something to look at. And like you mentioned the body contact on screens. Like I think it's been better for the Hawks the last couple of weeks, but uh having somebody that could just erase somebody for Trey like that. I mean like every time yeah. for him to come clean. That that would be something. And Capella would Capella would be an upgrade for that um, for the Hawks uh, if they do get him. But and Capella does fit. Yeah, I was talking about Gasol, just like. Yeah, no, no, but setting. I mean, I'm, I'm oh, seeing yeah. see the, okay. the only downside with Gasol is he doesn't fit the timeline, age timeline wise. But right, you know, that that's a guy I would definitely you know be willing to you know give a short term deal for 
you know, exactly. And money. that that might be the future of the center position, especially if you really like John Collins. Like if you if you think John Collins is where you put your money as a big, then you find the mix and match centers. Maybe might be two years at a time, two years of one guy, three years of another guy, one year of this guy. You know, teams have made centers less of a priority and try to get by with, you know, whoever comes along. And you know, if Marcus yeah, Gasol like is your solution for two year. years. Yeah, like Dwayne Dedman. You know, if you get Gasol for two years and it works out for two years, that's great. And then find the new guy that you need two years after that. Yeah, the only downside with that is that um, there are great centers in this league who, you know, you'd like for, you know, have a long-term relationship with, uh, you know, but – there are so few and far between that, you know, that, that does make sense. That does make sense, you know, you know, logically, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see after the deadline, if they get Capella or not. Um, I, I mean, I like his contract. I kind of hope they contract. Yeah. It's, it, it is a good. It's a great, you know, it's a good it's contract for a quality starter. Yep. Yep. But, uh, like if you even know, if I, you like use them for a year, you could probably get off of that, and you know whatever you put into this trade now, you could probably recoup at the next trade deadline. That's fair. It's not like Kevin Love's contract. Yeah, sucks for Love. He's uh, kind of stuck. Right. He's stuck in Cleveland. Just you know, nobody. Nobody wants that contract in that injury history. You know, they don't want what's going on with the Pistons right now with Blake Griffin where, you know, Griffin had a great season last year, but, you know, his body kind of pooped out on him this year. So it's been a rough ride for the Pistons. And, you know, they nobody wants to trade for that contract now. So it's kind of dead salary. And that's kind of what love is where, you know, he's just not – for all of his, you know, he's not as good as he used to be on offense. And, you know, his defense is just a massive, massive issue. <laughs> he makes so much, and he makes so much money. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, it's a problem. It is. Man, that's, we got to end on a more positive note than that. That was just depressing as heck. You got anything better to end know. on? Um, <laughs> you know, Trey Young starting the All-Star game. First time yeah, I feel like this ever happened. I don't care about that, but they I don't added care some about extra. They added a, they added a two balls that are six feet behind the line for for Trey. Yeah, hopefully people watch it. I guess, but not me. You gotta watch. <laughs> you got Dwight Howard in the dunk contest. Yeah, I'll pass. No, I, I'm more of a Saturday player. I I kind of pass on Sunday. I pass on the whole weekend. I have better things to do than watch meaningless <laughs> basketball. I watch. I watch when Trey Young plays. I watch. I watch it on YouTube. The highlights of what he does, there and you then go. you know, do something else. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Good to talk to you. Good to hear from you. Glad you're doing all right. And uh, we should do this again soon. Yeah, we'll try. I'll try. All right. <laughs> have a good one, Tyler. You too. And just a little bit extra here, Uh, I caught up with Jeff Teague after practice today, talked to him about Cam Reddish, his Wake Forest connection with John Collins, being the old guy on the team, going to Minnesota to play his old teammates, coming to Atlanta for a second time, and also today being the fifth anniversary of the day when he, Kyle Korver, Damari Carroll, Paul Millsap, and Al Horford uh, collectively pulled in the January 2015 Eastern Conference Player of the Month. Uh, so here is me talking to Jeff Teague. You'll hear a little bit of uh, Ben Ladner in the middle, uh, but a fun a fun chat with with Mr. Teague. Uh, fifth anniversary of the day that you guys got the Player of the Month together. Oh, <laughs> Did that surprise you when that happened? Uh, yeah, it kind of did. Uh, it never happened before, right? Right. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty unique situation. 
He had a really good month. Are uh, you looking forward to going back to Minnesota? I mean, it's kind of all the same. Whatever. Do you have like any like loose business to do? Like pack a bag or get something uh, I'm done? I'm pretty all packed up. Uh, I'm just looking forward to hanging with a couple of the guys. Uh, I'm really close, close with out there. And them jumping around a little bit. What do you do to get, you know, when you come to Atlanta, what do you do to get used to the roster in terms of, you know, what do you get out of a practice in terms of learning about your teammates and all that kind of stuff? Honestly, I just try to talk to everybody. Um, it's been like two weeks now, so I just try to like rub shoulders with everybody, talk, try to figure out their personality. You know, basketball, I mean, we're a developing team anyway, so that's going to keep figuring itself out. As far as off the court, I try to get to know everybody, see their kind of personality. What's different after you've had practices versus the first two games where you're just out there playing before you've even had a practice? I actually know the coaches. <laughs> I, know they by, I know my name now. I just kind of figured all of their names out. Um, I know a couple more players. Not as many because we don't have a lot of time to practice. Because, you know, a lot of injuries right now. We don't have a lot of guys. But, uh, I learned a couple more players. Really you look like you have good chemistry with a, another Wake Forest guy out there. Yeah, I like playing with John. Well, he's easy to play with. To the basket, plays hard. Pretty much the whole team, man. The thing I like about them, they're all young guys, but they play really hard. That's all you can ask for, guys. When you first got here, I asked him if he'd met you before or anything. He said he knew most of the Wake Forest guys, but he hadn't crossed paths with you. Yeah. I, I never really go back to Wake. Uh, I haven't been back since I left, so it was crazy when he got drafted. I didn't, I didn't watch Wake Forest at all, so. I've seen him pop up, I'm like, wait for it. And I seen him, I'm like, dang, okay. And then he got drafted 19th like me in Atlanta. I'm like, oh, this, he gotta be special. Something good about to happen. And he's been great since I, since I put eyes on him and playing well. You talk about picking up the offense. How, how universal is it? Because I know there's a lot of plays, sets, stuff like that that's kind of across the league. You know, how, how universal was it and how, how much of it did you have to kind of pick up because it's specific to Atlanta? Uh, the language is a lot different. You know, most teams I've been on in general, most of the stuff is pretty similar to what we do, but the language is totally different than anything I experienced. Um, so I'm still learning the language, honestly. That's really all it's, it's all about. They have really different play calls. Had maybe your best game as a Hawk for the second time last night. I guess are you, is that a product of kind of figuring things out, getting more comfortable with the uh, I think my first couple of games here, I was just playing so sped up. I just wasn't comfortable yet. I, I feel like a rookie almost because I was excited to be back, but I didn't really have my feet on the my legs. I, mean, I was just kind of playing, turning the ball over, playing fast. And last night was like the first time that I just felt normal. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, the game is still normal. Obviously, kind of approaching the trade deadline these next couple of days. What, what's it like for a player this time of year? Like in the locker room, is there any intense you know, feelings? Like, what's it kind of like to be in the middle of this? Uh, I guess when you're in your first four years, you're probably scared. And you don't know what to expect, and it's the only place you've ever been. You kind of don't want to leave. So, me, personally, I don't know. It doesn't bother me anymore. It is what it is. It comes with the territory. And I think if you play long enough, you're going to get traded. Do you say anything to the young guys about just hey, you know, stay focused on the game and all this? Like, do you give them any advice about how to deal with this kind of year? It's too hard, man. They got social media. They're on their phones all day. I don't really get on my social media platforms like that. So they tell me stuff. Like I came here today, like, oh, you going to Minnesota? Minnesota's doing this. I'm like, are they? Okay. Well, okay. I don't know. But I, I guess you know, it's like hard to get away from it. Yeah. Everywhere you go, it's there. Does this team make you feel old? There's so many 21-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, Cam Reddish makes me feel old. Yeah. <laughs> um, I talk to him a lot. Um, the fact that he's, what, 2019? Like, man, I just remember when I was 19 and 20. And the fact that now that I'm the old guy, and I used to make fun of all the guys on my team, and now I'm that guy, I, and the fact that I'm only 31 makes it even weird. Like, I'm one of the older guys on the team. I'm 31 because when I came to the league, you know, it's 36-year-olds, a lot of 35s and 33s and things like that. So it's me and Vince. <laughs> Is there anything in Atlanta that you used to do when you lived here and now you kind of picked it back up because you like doing it the first time around? 
Uh, I just always enjoyed coming to the practice facility. Like others, some other teams, I really didn't like enjoy it. I guess I just like the people around here. And um, like Steiny and those guys being around so long, I just like being around them and seeing them and talking to them. And Zach, equipment trainer, like being around them, I just loved them. I had great relationships with those guys. So it's always fun to come to the gym. It's funny you said that because when we came here, I'm like, man, everybody's different. I was like, well, Steiny's still here, Zach's still here. Yeah, those are my guys. <laughs> those were the first two yeah, that came to mind. Yeah, those are my guys. Uh, <laughs> so every time I seen them when I played in different cities, we would talk for 30 minutes, 40 minutes. When I came back here, it was like reconnected. And Scotty P was here my last couple of years as a trainer. And me and him, we were really close. Um, we worked together so much, and now we're just back together. It's like brothers. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks, no Thanks, appreciate it.